Hi, this is Dr. David Clay. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. It has been said, you don't get something for nothing. Although we've probably come to a point in our civilization, our society, where we expect certain things to be free. Uh, And with that, We don't always either see or want to see that on the backside of that, even the free things have a hook attached. Uh, When it comes to service these days, there's a lot of folks that promise you no cost, no obligation, uh, free in essence. Uh, We even do that with money. We'll give you money. Uh, But most of us who've been around for a while have seen probably a lot of things come and go, uh, including different marketing strategies, Uh, realize you don't get something for nothing. There is always something on the other side of that initial something that you're ending up giving to whoever's promising you the stuff for free. Uh, If you go online, if you uh, (laughs) do anything on your computer that's internet-related, service-related, and pretty much that's what I think the internet has come down to is convenience. It's a service. It is a big service that holds within it multiple smaller services, uh, companies, again, entities, uh, persons, but they're all wanting your business. They're vying for an opportunity to serve you. And uh, since they can't all get paid on the front end, and there is so much competition, many of them have begun to promise things for free. Uh, If you sign up, if you register, if you uh, go to our app or go to the website and download our app, you'll get all these things. You'll get to do all these things. You get all this in return for what seemingly appears to be nothing. You just put your name down uh, and you put your address down and you put your email address down uh, and, uh, and it goes on and on. They, they, they're mining for information. Uh, what age range? Do you mind taking a survey? That's uh, what it's about. Now, on the surface, it seems for free, and probably if you keep it rather superficial, uh, you might find out that it is. And what's wrong with that? Probably nothing, except the disclosures or the obvious sort of return that they're getting uh, isn't always so obvious. They want to know about you. They want to find out about you. They want to market services to you. If they get you engaged in some fashion or you become engaged in some fashion uh, with their particular line of service, then they want to eventually get to the place where you become dependent upon them. And becoming dependent upon them, then they want to (laughs) parlay that into selling you more. And all of a sudden, you introduce the concept of, I think I need you, and then therein, maybe I'm willing to pay for this thing that otherwise began as free. Uh, and it's not just 
the internet. It's not just service industries in general. It's not just marketing or sales. It's not just then commerce or business. I mentioned earlier entities. It can be a person. <laughs> you could have the same type of situation with people on the front end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll help you. I'll take care of you. Somewhere along the way, if you become too needy or remain, I should say, probably if you come on the front end, if you come in with a, a want, a need, uh, then that's what they're manipulating, they're taking advantage of, then you're already needy to begin with. You'll just get needier, or you may not do it for yourself and come to rely upon them, and then all of a sudden, you realize you're in a compromised situation. And you can't let that happen because what if, what if they stop doing it for you? Uh, and there's probably a few people out there who are indeed that needy or have become that dependent but can't even admit it to themselves and in some sort of way keep tempting fate or keep thinking, well, you know, they've done all this, so maybe I can get a bit more even out of them uh, because they can't do it for themselves. So what we have to realize, I suppose, is that nothing's free. Now, that doesn't sound right, especially to the Christian, because we know the love of God is free. We know the love of God comes, and we don't either earn it, deserve it, warrant it. He loves us. It's called unconditional love. That is true. The love of God is free. And as much as it is unconditional, we do not have to earn it. But it is not free to the extent or degree that there wasn't a price paid for it. And with that, there's a certain degree of exchange. Love only works if you're willing to love the other person in the same way that they love you. God's love is unconditional. Nonetheless, unless you are willing to abide by the conditions of that unconditionality, for lack of a better way of saying it, you can't enjoy it. Now, does that mean God stops loving you? No. What it means, however, is you're not going to be able to receive it. It's not going to be able to flourish, blossom <laughs> into what it's supposed to be, what the Word of God, as He extends His hand of love unto you, tells you it can be. Now, maybe that's because inside of you, you've come to, again, maybe more than just the realization, you don't get something for nothing. But maybe you've been, you came to that realization by having been burned, as they used to say, taken advantage of. When you approach someone with that notion of, oh, I believe you're not going to hurt me. You're not going to manipulate me. You're not going to use me um, somehow in the end, uh, in my innocence. It didn't work because you did. 
Now, whether human nature is as self-centered as as many might present it to be, and maybe those individuals are the ones that have been hurt the most and have come to some sort of a cynicism or cynical perspective about it, pessimistic, pessimistic pessimism. Or maybe it's just the only way to keep, in a natural regard, human relationships honest is there has to be reciprocity. If I give, then I should get something in return. Now, again, what does this have to do with God? Well, it is God's love being unconditional. It is God's love extended to us first. It is God's love as manifest in his son, Jesus Christ, who, for all, again, Christians know what price was paid for love that we receive his love, but we can't continue to be selfish and self-centered. Children are selfish and self-centered. They take in the same sort of way the love of their parents. Hopefully it's unconditional. And with that, don't seem to have, until at least they get old enough to realize what's going on, any obligation to return that in that dimension of reciprocity. Now, it is true they love you innocently, And uh, with that, then it is unconditional in a spiritual regard. But in a material regard, we all know kids can become incredibly self-centered or begin life incredibly self-centered and become even more spoiled along the way. When that begins to happen, though, we as parents usually have to teach them no If you want something, then you have to be willing to give something. Now, the message may be something more along the lines or more along the lines of sharing. Um, We share. We're just not about ourselves taking. We have to also learn to give. And I suppose in that unconditional way, that with the end, that in mind, the end goal of, of unconditional sort of love in mind, we try to teach them it is better to give than receive. But that's the whole point. It's probably not the human nature. The human nature, as at least as we begin, certainly is about love. God's love is in us, in our innocence, but it doesn't take very long for what might be really legitimately in a natural regard a need for somebody to do it for us to become an expectation that they're going to and that really it does not require any return on our behalf. Now, again, for kids, you can say, oh, well, that's childhood. Adolescence, yes, they're learning, they're struggling with it, but hopefully they're becoming more responsible But that doesn't work for adults in adult relationships. Why? Because it's not right. (laughs) It's not fair. By what standard? By God's. Now, here we go. So what is it that God wants from you? (laughs) He wants you, again, to love him in the same way. If there is a condition attached to God's unconditional love, it would be that he wants you to love him in the same way, unconditionally. 
How do you establish that with humans who tend to lean toward the selfish and might remain childish in many, many ways with childish expectations uh, of something for nothing as they even get into their adult years? You have to teach them. Yes, unconditional love is still there. I would like to believe all of us love God. I would like to believe all of us at some level recognize our need for God. But as I was trying to explain earlier, sometimes when we become so (laughs) big-headed, our selfishness becomes so huge that we then become become not only expectant of somebody giving us something for nothing, but we think we deserve it. We become prideful. We become narcissistic. Oh, I'm grand. I'm great. And with that, possibly, I'm better than everyone else. So give me this special treatment. Give me these special things. Uh, It shouldn't be, but oftentimes it is. Now, could we self-regulate and say, well, I never want to go there, right? One, that implies that you probably have been there and or somewhere close to there. Somebody else maybe did that to you as opposed to you to them, but you've learned. But even in those situations, once you start giving unconditionally, people start expecting something for nothing. And unfortunately, if you continue to be so free in your unconditional love that they then become so self-centered or retreat or move, I say, should say retreat should be regress, back into more of a selfish sort of dimension, that late relationship can become lopsided rather quickly and to the point even of abuse. So how is it that we're supposed to, or how does God expect us to supposed to be able to keep it sort of balanced, it's again called reciprocity. It is this notion that there is always an expectation, even in unconditional love, of giving love equally (laughs) unconditionally. So how, again, does God make that happen? Kind of, as I was suggesting, we as parents teach our children. (laughs) You don't always get everything you want. It always comes with some price. Uh, There is a cost. Jesus is giving his life for us, unconditional love, God's unconditional love, so that we might know unconditional love as it would then offer us salvation in what truly should be for all of us the Holy Spirit. Again, I said a moment ago that we all hopefully love God but it gets lost under all of this craziness of the human dimension. Our iniquity comes out, and we begin to, unfortunately, treat the people who treat us well worse. God says you can't have everything you want, not that he would deny you anything that's good and important, especially his perfect love, but the natural world is not predicated upon that. It's probably based more on reciprocity. 
you do something for me and I'll do something for you. In that, we can be friends, friendly. Maybe we can even be more than friends, but to get to the place of being more than friends, two things have to happen. One is both of us have to learn how to not expect something for nothing, or certainly even in regards to the friendship, moving it to another level of probably what our love is in Christ Jesus from God, we also have to get to the place where not only do we not expect something for nothing, but we're willing to approach that relationship, that one relationship, hopefully there's many, but at least one relationship that might represent a possibility of being unconditional. So what am I saying? That it has to have a shift, a change in the way you look at it. You have to be willing to give, not expecting to receive. It has to be proven that the person, that's the other condition. Secondly, you have to find somebody who also believes in the same thing as you do. They have to want to give unconditionally as much as you do. Is there anybody complete in that? Is there any time maybe in the natural when we could all give to the same measure or degree that we'd want to receive? Probably not, naturally. So there's going to be times when you cover each other. My love for you When you're down and you're in a position of need, my love for you is going to cover you. But that's not where you live. That's where you are in the moment you're in, in a natural regard, is only. I was going to say especially, but it's an only. Because in a spiritual regard, there is no such thing as need. (laughs) Because we're coming from a place of not deficit, but abundance. Jesus Christ was God's love unto us so that even in a natural regard, as Christ had humanity, human form, he was without iniquity. He always gave with the right motive. The motive being beginning with unconditional love, but accepting that not every relationship was going to be able to blossom or flourish, as I used the word earlier, in the same measure or way. Not because God's love wasn't sufficient or that Jesus wasn't God's son. And again, that's the point. He was and even so is. And even so, in all of us who believe and have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we live by this changed heart, attitude, and nature, he still loves everyone. Now, are they going to receive it? No, because they're selfish. They still want something for nothing. So on the front end, okay, they'll receive it. But they have to, at that point, and this is the condition in unconditional love, become as Christ or allow the love of Christ, 
Christ Jesus again within them through the power of the Holy Spirit, also again within them that has been more so than them brought to life within them. They have to love unconditionally. Now take somebody who is incredibly selfish and self-centered, incredibly needy and requiring a lot of investment on the front end to even begin to understand any of the things that I'm speaking of. You can't tell somebody to give when they've got nothing. And, and though there may be individuals who have given to the point of having nothing, they began again with the divine nature are intact. They started with abundance. They started with surplus. They understood spiritually and could then, even as Christ, give to the point of complete deficit in a natural regard. Most of us, though, begin lost. <laughs> all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need not only redemption, but salvation first. When you approach a lost person, they don't know about unconditional love. They are still conditional in the wrong sort of way, the earthly sort of way. They're still selfish. Now, maybe they have learned enough about, even in their lost state, the need for reciprocity. But your giving as a Christian in unconditional regard to one that is lost, you should expect they're going to abuse you. Do they not like you? Probably, hopefully, that's not it. They just don't understand. They're lost. Now, again, some have become cynical and pessimistic. Some have hardened, had, had their hearts hardened. I, I say they've hardened their hearts. God doesn't harden your heart. But the devil, <laughs> he's still in some dimension roaming to and fro upon the earth, continues to feed the narrative that there should be something for nothing. And if you're not getting it, <laughs> then you need to go get it. You need to take it. If you're not finding it in this relationship or maybe this relationship even if it's coming from someone who's a Christian, who knows God's unconditional love. There's going to be a time, though, that for you to get all of the things that otherwise the promises of God under salvation now as well as in the hereafter encompass, you've got to learn to give. And once more, if it hasn't been clear up to this point, that's the work of sanctification. That is, as they say, the hard part because my flesh still wants to be childish. I still want you to take care of me. And even if I might be understanding, I need to operate out of abundance, not deficit, with some other means to fulfilling my need rather than simply depending upon you I'm probably still going to have a struggle with that. And then there are those individuals that with some naivete, which is maybe in a sense with some admixture of ignorance for bad measure, they don't know 
even as believers, they're still inclined to want everybody to take care of them. They are hard to love. Why? Because we want that in return. Now, that sounds kind of selfish in our parts, and I guess that's also my point. It's not only difficult, but you have to be sanctified not only over the course of your life, becoming better at it in a human regard. You don't earn your salvation. You conform. (laughs) You have to align yourself with your salvation. But on a day-to-day basis, we need to receive not only God's love, but the Word of God to remind us even in our natural regard of why we are saved, why we are no longer lost, because we have received and now operate in the unconditional love of God. But receipt is not necessarily a guarantee of operation, and operation is a performance of sanctification. You have to get better at it. You have to not only get better at it, but to get better at it, like everything else in life, it's not free. You have to put energy into it, a desire, a motive. And as you do that, with the Holy Spirit's help, he comforts us from within, but he also sends us in a natural because we need comfort naturally too. If Adam didn't need Eve, then God would have not made her. And what I'm saying is, if God were to have been enough for Adam in his natural state, he would not have made Eve. But then we would not be talking about salvation, right? We would not be talking about the need for Jesus Christ. We would not be talking about growing up and maturing and becoming adults in our love, in our understanding of the basic principles of relationship, that you don't get something for nothing, There is a price that ultimately always is paid. And I've not said this to this point, but this is really what it's about. Coming to Christ is about needing salvation. Operating in Christ is about learning to die, even as Jesus demonstrated God's love for the sake of another. To lay down your life. I don't know if the word die or the phrase lay down your life, one is better than the other, one is easier to receive than the other. When you understand they're really one and the same, then it's just a matter of words. But the intention would be not that you would expect everyone to love you unconditionally, but that unconditional love requires all of us to at least aspire to it. There'll be hurt, there'll be pain, there'll be struggles. There are those that are immature. There is the forgiving 70 times 7. There is the thankfulness and thanksgiving that once you were a sinner, now you are saved and redeemed by the very same love of Jesus Christ that you're giving to the others who are lost. Once you needed help maturing and growing up, overcoming your selfishness and the human iniquity, and now, though you're not a finished work, thank God you're much better at it than what you were. 
but in the same sort of a way, others need to aspire to the same end. So when we love others, we have to go into it sober. We have to realize who considers, uh, who builds a tower without considering the cost first. We have to realize that there's going to be costs, but there is never something for nothing. And as much you would expend, as much as you would give, you're always going to come out of this situation with something, but it isn't going to be material. It is always spiritual. You're not going to leave the circumstance empty-handed. When the children of Israel sought refuge in Egypt because of God's plan, because of God's establishment of a safe haven for them, Joseph was already there. God had already made a way that would cover for the children of Israel. When they went into Egypt, they were received with open arms. When they left Egypt, it was quite a different story. Not only had it moved from on the front end, oh, we love you. This is great for the sake of Joseph and all that he's been to Egypt and he's preserved us during these years of famine and he's been a good uh, aid, uh, armor bearer, so to speak, to Pharaoh. He's been there. We love you. Come on in. You're more than welcome. It all shifted because Egypt really didn't need Joseph. And as Joseph wasn't there, as much there became then the inclination to abuse the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites in Egypt. And to the extent that the Egyptians probably got somewhat narcissistic, got used to the blessings that come with having that unconditional love of God in your house, whether it's your personage or the people you hang out with or your community or your society, your culture. Once they started to get to the point where they got so used to it, they became, again, spoiled. Their selfishness came out. And they did not want to admit that, unfortunately, they would become nothing or at least of much lesser stature without the children of Israel there than with them. But Pharaoh's heart became so hardened that when it finally came to the day of the Israelites' exodus, freedom from the bondage of Egypt, the taskmasters, the abuse that they were suffering, not only serving, uh, no reciprocity, uh, they were actually being abused. And it was cultural at the time for Egypt. There was a class system, and the Israelites were on the bottom. God heard their pleas. God heard their call. He raised up Moses out of the house of Pharaoh. 
But when Pharaoh's heart became hardened, it was when Moses asked simply, don't do this. (laughs) Don't be mean to the people. Let us go and worship our God. And it started with a simple request and went through several different (laughs) plagues along the way on the Egyptians before finally, as Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and then he had to not really repent, but at least admit that he did not have the power. He was not as strong. His narcissism became wearing somewhat thin, his pride wearing somewhat thin. He had to concede. Oh, no, take the plague away because you're more powerful. But every time that happened, the pride would step back up step back in. The narcissism would kick back in. And Pharaoh would then say, no, you're staying. And probably to some extent, I'm going to give Pharaoh some credit on this point, at least in this regard. He probably knew better than anyone what was going to happen when the children of Israel left. Who's going to do all that hard work? Again, you don't get something for nothing. Israel came and brought a word or the word of God to Egypt, but Egypt didn't change. They just took it for granted. They were a lot kinder on the front end, but they were a lot meaner on the backside. So much so that they were glad to get Moses and all the Israelites out of town, out of Egypt. How glad It is said in the King James terms, (laughs) phraseology, spoiled the Egyptians, who were, by my estimation and my account today, quite spoiled to begin with. But that spoiling was different. For all the things that the Egyptians had stolen then, through the hard work and the labors of the Israelites, because they failed to return what was otherwise God's benevolence to even Egypt. Though Egypt probably thought they were being benevolent to the Israelites, he brought them Joseph in the first place. He brought them the opportunity to house the people of God, the love of God, the power of God that that represents. But they abused it. So much were they glad So much were they glad that God spoiled the Egyptians in that they gave them monetary, material sort of blessings. Gold, (laughs) still a good commodity then or now as much as it was still, still now as much as it was then. But that's not what really Moses and the Israelites left with. What they left with was the love of God, the power, not only the power of God, but the opportunity to enter into the promised land having done their due worship or their due service. Now, would have any of them, including Moses, Moses did not like the way the Egyptians were treating the Israelites even having been blessed by growing up in the house of Pharaoh. But the notion, though, that God sent them through the wilderness 
was not so that they could be just as self-centered, and they were. They were pretty selfish along the way. They did the same thing to God that the Egyptians had done to them. They had great expectations that God was just going to give them something for nothing. But when you leave a situation where it's a bit one-sided, where you have served God by being that source of unconditional love, maybe to not only a lost person, but maybe it seems like at times the world is filled with the lost. There's no righteousness to be found. There's no return on that giving of that unconditional love. God, nonetheless, has a way of edifying and validating and lifting you up. He has a way of encouraging you. And as surely as you think that there is no one left out there, just ask Elijah. Because when he thought there was none left, in the moment that he needed a friend the most, he sent Elisha, or the opportunity Elijah had was to meet with Elisha and pass on the mantle. We have one more than Elisha that we know. We have one that is greater than anyone that God could send to save us in a material regard. When you're feeling destitute, alone, abandoned, when you feel like all you've done is given and given and given and all that they've done is take, 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 when there is no one that you feel like could love you in that same way that you know you're supposed to love them. And I say supposed to because no one, again, is perfect except that they would have a relationship where they're willing to lay down their life for God even as God laid down his life for them. They, in that, nonetheless, have received in Jesus Christ the replenishing, the restoration of the kingdom of heaven within them. The Holy Spirit has come again alive. And it is a power above all things that otherwise we think we need in a natural regard from people. Because if anybody in a natural regard that could love us, loves us, it's out of that same power. Again, the same love of God in them. Hopefully, everyone at some level would want to love God and hopefully still has some element of the Holy Spirit speaking to them from within them. But depending on the hardness of their hearts, they may not be able to love you, but Jesus does. Christ does. God does through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We need to realize that if we're going to remain those individuals, that remnant that God has chosen, and in us put the fire, the power. I say fire because it is. It's a desire. It's a passion. Not necessarily to get the love of the world. That's, again, from a needy position but to love the world. Why? Yes, because even then, there is an expectation of return. Because even then, as they might understand, receive, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, mature, become adults, grow up, they're going to love us. 
That's good. That's fellowship. That's good. We need it. Even as we said, Adam needed Eve. Christ needs his bride. We need someone like that in our life. But it's not a guarantee. It's not a promise. It's not an expectation. Not that God won't love us or that he couldn't and won't send somebody along, but not everybody's going to. That's when it's difficult. That's when people come see me. That's when I encourage them in the same way. That's when I say to them, much as I'm saying to you now, love isn't free. It is unconditional, but it's only as unconditional as you would have a source who loves you unconditionally. As you love others unconditionally, hopefully they'll take you up on the offer. They'll want to be like you. They'll seek with virtue, virtue. (laughs) Great desire, passion, fire even. More than infatuation, more than just glad you were there when they need you the most, but the kind of sustained, long-term investment that we call a lifetime of sanctification. But if they don't, we don't have to be hostile toward them. We don't have to be mad at them. We just have to realize they're immature. And even with Pharaoh, if there would be a Pharaoh, or even with the devil, leave it up to God. Only he knows the heart of any person sufficient to know what their reward should or shouldn't be or what their punishment should or shouldn't be because he's the only one that can really judge the true intents of a heart. But aren't you glad that you've accepted Jesus? And when I say this, when I encourage people with this word, I can get away with saying you don't get something for nothing, but you won't leave the situation empty-handed. Why? Because you're going to get to love them like Jesus loves you. And that's going to draw you not only closer to Christ, but because of that, you're going to be closer to God. A man, woman, person after God's own heart. Covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, which is again, as we've been speaking throughout the podcast today, our sanctification as well as reasonable service. With the help of the Holy Spirit, who when there is no otherwise comfort in this world, knows how to comfort us. But with the also promise, as we share the word of God, even there is a kingdom of God on this earth in a material regard where we can fellowship, love one another. Will there be down days, off days? Yes. Will you be able to cover those? Yes. Why? Because we're all working toward the same end. My function, purpose in life, is to encourage you. My purpose in life is to offer you the love of God in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit. My purpose in life is to remind you of the Word. My purpose in life is to demonstrate a testimony to testify of that same power within me.
My purpose in life is to build up the church. I run a particular lane. <laughs> it's counseling psychology or psychological counseling. And with that, people come see me. Why? Because I suppose they don't feel comfortable going somewhere else. But it's what I'm called to do. It's what Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry is all about. And this podcast. So, if you would want to reach out to us for any reason, I always post the email. And if you would want to come join us again on our next podcast, next edition of what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, I really would want to invite you to return. And hopefully we'll fellowship again together. Thanks very much. Again, this is Dr. David Clay on what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry.